The love story of God is one that blesses us all. Welcome to the Athens First UMC Sermons Podcast. I'm Sarah Lawing, Director of Online Productions. We hope you'll enjoy this weekly resource. Good morning. Our word comes from the prophet Jeremiah, chapter 31, verse 3. It may be familiar to you. Uh, Hear the word of God on this blessed day. The Lord appeared to him from far away. I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have continued my faithfulness to you. This is the word of God given to the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. God of love, in you we live and move and have our being. Breathe the breath of your Spirit in this place and reveal to us your Son in all his glory so that our minds and hearts would be transformed by your great love. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Some things are hard to make sense of. Wonderful things like the fact that on a butterfly wing, there are tiny feathers. And the fact that an ant can lift 5,000 times its own weight. Some things are hard to make sense of that are hard things, like when a lion takes down its prey, or a tear courses down the cheek of someone you love. Our faith invites us into even more mysteries in order to teach us intangible things like compassion and forgiveness, faithfulness and gentleness. Today is Transfiguration Sunday, and it's also Valentine's Day. Both tell us something about love, but only one of them is working to usher us into the presence of God. There is a greater story of love at work as we hear an Old Testament prophet offer words of comfort, which is surprising for one such as Jeremiah. And then we can encounter on a mountaintop Jesus and his disciples in a transfiguring moment in Scripture. The love story of God is one that blesses us all. I'm not going to try to diagram it like a sentence like you would in English class. I'm not going to try to dissect it like you would in a biology class. The community of faith offers us a different kind of classroom where disciples make discoveries through stories. We learn about the power of God's love to renew our minds and open our hearts in ways that then alter our lives for the better. And that affects everyone around us. I heard about a college student who left home for the first time. He hadn't been able to make many friends. It was a hard season for him. Schoolwork was extremely challenging and stressful. The feelings of isolation and loneliness were overwhelming for him. He found a fascinating way to cope. 
He would sometimes wake up in the early hours before dawn and he would go find a piano. He'd taken lessons as a child and through high school, so by the time he was in college, he had learned lots of chords and many, many songs. He said, I played so much I could find the notes with my eyes closed. Playing the piano was personal and not performance. Making the music helped relieve his anxiety. So in this blue period in college, in the darkness before dawn, he'd find a piano and start playing. During this pandemic, we've learned much about ourselves and our limits. We too have been trying to find some way to keep songs alive in our hearts, even as we contend with the darkness. When Lent began in 2020, I had no idea that our time of fasting from hugs would extend well beyond 40 days. I'm thankful. We continue to work hard to protect one another, and I look forward to the day when I will stand on the corner and wear a sign that says free hugs. And I will hope to see all of you there. I have the soul of an introvert, but I love the gathered church. And I miss all of God's people. This is our blue period. We've endured a kind of exile, have we not? Something we never dreamed possible. The prophet Jeremiah had painful experience with exile, unlike anything we're acquainted with. During his lifetime, the Israelites were taken into captivity to Babylon. And Jeremiah had the unenviable task of prophesying about it. Before it had even happened, he had to give them the bad news. No one likes to hear bad news. I don't think Jeremiah enjoyed sharing it either. But chapter 31 isn't that. It's quite different. It's full of comfort. It's included in what is called the Book of Consolations, a title given to chapters 30 through 33. These chapters offer hope and restoration. But keep in mind that as Jeremiah shared these visions with the people, they were a grief-stricken group still in exile. Their circumstances hadn't yet changed. So in the midst of dark days, through Jeremiah, God offers his people words of hope, promises lives will be restored, everyone joyful again and feeling blessed. I've known verse 3 probably for most of my life, and I've called it to mind often, especially in the dark. I have loved you with an everlasting love. To talk about God's everlasting love is to notice how past mistakes don't scare God away. Remembering His continued faithfulness beats back any concern that He will abandon His children. And the future? An everlasting love goes well beyond this moment. So what does that mean for our current situation? And I'm not talking about the pandemic or any other current event. I'm talking about preparing for this new Lent. 
We have a fresh 40 days before us to focus on repentance, fasting, and preparation for Easter. I used to think that Lent was meant for just a little spiritual exercise. We would spend time lamenting our sins, give up some chocolate, and maybe taste real change in there somewhere. We can do better. The Greek word for repentance is metanoia, which means to change one's mind and purpose. Fasting is a spiritual discipline that helps us focus on the things of God and not so much on what we're going to eat or when we're going to eat. To prepare for Easter means we will walk more closely and more intentionally with Jesus than we ever have before. There's much more to Lent than a good spiritual workout. It's Transfiguration Sunday. I don't know if that means something to everyone. It's a wonderful story told in three of the Gospels. In this event, you see where the book of consolations springs to life and everlasting love has come in the flesh. This is the moment when divine glory is revealed in Jesus. May it renew our minds and our purpose. Matthew 17, Mark 9, and Luke 9. Go read them. All tell us how Jesus went up a mountain to pray, taking Peter, James, and John with him. I sometimes get carried away in my own imagination, wondering what that was like, Jesus inviting me on a hike up the mountain. And my mind then drifts to, well, what time of day? Well, most agree it was evening. What was the weather like? Well, that's not recorded, but it was clearly good enough for them to take a hike. What did they take with them? Well, we know the disciples didn't have very much to begin with, but probably my good guess would be water and a little food. How long was this hike? Most believe they went up Mount Tabor, which is about one to two hours on foot. All of those sentences, all of those questions I just shared with you are surface questions, aren't they? What really happened up on that mountain has little to do with the weather or a timetable or distance or what they took with them. It's something beyond our capacity or my capacity to even describe. It's easier to consider things that we can measure, like the height of a mountain or the length of a hike, especially when we feel like we are stumbling around in the dark. The transfiguration story of our Lord reveals him in a spectacular way. Jesus had recently told the disciples something hard to hear, that he would die, that he must die. They didn't like hearing that. Of course they didn't. The disciples heard what he said, but I'm not sure that they listened. And the disciples... They're, they're like us. One minute, so faithful, and the next, not so faithful. So Jesus takes his trusted three, takes them up onto that mountain, asks them to pray. And do you know what happens in the story? They fall asleep. I think we can identify with that. Anybody here ever fallen asleep while you were in the middle of praying? I certainly have. We drift off. We drift away. 
But thank goodness something happened in the midst of this story. They woke up. Hear me again. Those trusted three that had fallen asleep, they woke up so that they could be witness to something extraordinary. They saw the heroes of faith. Persons they knew were dead and buried. They see them alive again. Moses and Elijah. Moses representing the law and Elijah representing the prophets. They are alive and they are with Christ whose appearance is completely altered. He is shining with this brightness in his face and his clothes are so dazzling. It's unbearably bright. If you've woken from sleep and been caught in the rays of the sunlight, that's, that's so small compared to what they're describing here is happening. It's incredible what we read in Scripture about what's taking place. It, it makes the disciples fall to the ground and bow down, even as Jesus tells them not to be afraid. Peter does manage to swallow his fear, and he immediately has a plan. Peter always has a plan. And he says, let's stay up here forever. Let's build three shelters. Let's worship God in this place always. That would be a happy ending to the story. It would be a wonderful plot to find on the Hallmark Channel. But there is much more to this love story. God speaks in the cloud and says, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to Him. There are deeper things at work, and there's work that must be done. A work of love unfolding. A dramatic painting of the transfiguration was created by Renaissance artist Raphael. The figure of Christ sits at the top of the painting, fills that canvas. Moses and Elijah are on either side and they're watching Jesus. They're looking straight at Him. The three disciples are bunched up on the ground as well we might be, afraid and in awe. And if you look closely at the painting, you'll see Peter trying to look, but his eyes are closed. It's much too bright for him. And then, a little way down the mountain is a completely different scenario. There you see all the other disciples, the ones Jesus left in charge, the ones He had charged to go heal and to have faith. And there's utter chaos at the bottom of that painting. They were trying to carry on the good work. They were trying to be faithful and helpful, but they ended up panicked and pitiful as someone needed their help, and they just couldn't do it. What went wrong for them? There's a story in the Jewish tradition that I read recently. A disciple asked his rabbi, why does the Torah tell us to place these words upon our hearts? Why does it not tell us to place these holy words in our hearts? The rabbi answered, it is because as we are, our hearts are closed. And we cannot place the holy words in our hearts. So we place them on top of our hearts. And there they stay until one day the heart breaks open and the words fall in. Jesus came back down the mountain 
They did not stay there as Peter had hoped they would. And he entered that chaotic scene. He finds the disciples scattered and shattered. His frustration comes out. Why must I put up with you? Of course he's frustrated. But he doesn't stop doing what Jesus does. He keeps loving them even in the midst of his frustration. And he enters that scene and brings order to that chaos. He knows they've not taken his word to heart. He knows their hearts are going to break wide open. And he knows God will help those words fall deep into their heart and change them forever. That's what God is after for us. He bursts into our darkness to lay his word upon our hearts, waiting for it to sink in. Some might say, well, Martha, I've given my heart to Jesus, and I would say that's amazing grace at work in you. Thanks be to God. But our conversion is just the first step to a greater, richer existence. This everlasting love has transformative properties. Hear the good news. The mistakes the disciples made that day were not fatal, and they weren't final. Jesus was with them, and he would teach them more, and he would die for them, and he would come see them and give him his peace. He loved them till their hearts broke open, and he rejoiced as his words took root and bore fruit in their lives through the power of the Holy Spirit. Think how their transformation has touched millions of lives. Just think for a moment how extraordinary that is. How beautiful is the love that God has for us, an everlasting love. And how wonderful it is that those disciples were receptive, allowing their hearts to break wide open for him. They kept close to Jesus. They still made mistakes. They sought forgiveness. They began over again, and they learned how to follow faithfully, and they discovered how to help every broken heart they met, even when it was painful and difficult. Miller Williams wrote a beautiful poem called Compassion. It puts in my mind the changed minds and renewed purpose of the disciples, how their eyes opened and how their ears learned to listen to Jesus, they discovered what compassion truly is. They could look at the hurting ones around them and minister to them in, in faith and hope and love. This is what the poem says. Have compassion for everyone you meet, even if they don't want it. What seems conceit? bad manners, or cynicism is always a sign of things no ears have heard, no eyes have seen. You do not know what wars are going on down there where the spirit meets the bone. The everlasting love of God opens our eyes and our ears so that we will see the hurting world around us, so that we will hear the cries of others and we will have the strength. 
We'll be so filled, we'll know what to do in those moments. You see, the victory won by Jesus and the disciples became the victory of everyone around them. We've learned a great deal about how a virus can spread. We have much to learn about how love spreads. We're still in the classroom. And we still need to listen to Jesus. One changed mind, one renewed purpose can spread so much love. I've enjoyed hearing about the many ways people have stayed connected during the pandemic. Many of you have worked hard, climbed out of your comfort zone, not just cleaned your closets. You've done new things in new ways. You've learned to love across the distance. We've prayed for one another. We've been able to feed the hungry and checked on others while wearing our masks. We've been lifting healthcare workers up, and we'd like to keep filling their mailboxes with cards of encouragement. You can sign up for just about anything to communicate God's love. We'll give you names and addresses so you can send cards to these heroes. You can do so much more than maybe you're doing right now. We're all part of a great love story, an ongoing, incredible love story. So as you prepare for this Lenten journey, it can feel a bit like you're playing piano in the dark. It's personal. It's not performance. But it has eternal implications. Some who were with us last year will not experience Lent with us this year. These lovely ones now see His glory face to face. They know the fullness of His everlasting love. But oh, that cloud of witnesses, that communion of saints are all praying for us. They know we have things to work out in this earthly classroom. And we might say, I know you want me to change, Lord, but I only know the songs I know. Take this new Lent and fill it with the presence of Jesus Christ. He will give you new songs in the night. Let Him change your mind in the ways that it needs to be changed. Let Him renew your purpose in the way that it needs to be renewed. And you'll find yourself contagious with joy. Remember, the victory Jesus wins in you becomes the victory of everyone around us. The disciple Peter, he wrote a second letter not long before his death. He knew death was close, and he had walked so closely with Jesus, and he wanted to communicate that he had tasted victory. He had seen glory. He knew his hope was real. He gives his own account of being on that mountaintop. In that letter, he wrote, he wanted others to believe. He says, For we did not follow cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power, but we were eyewitnesses to His majesty. He received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to Him from the majestic glory saying, This is my Son whom I love. With Him I'm well pleased. 
We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on that sacred mountain. We also have the prophetic message as something completely reliable. And you would do well to pay attention to it as to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Peter knows the condition of our heart is what's at stake. So in this Lenten time, let's consider how to repent, or rather change our minds and renew our purpose in Him. Yesterday it was cloudy and it rained off and on all day. Did you notice? <laughs> I went out to get the mail, as you do, confident that it would be junk mail, and it was. But as I came back up the driveway, I saw something that I knew was out of place, something shiny and red. It was caught in a location that was so unusual, I knew it had just arrived there somehow by accident. What I saw was a slightly wilted, bright red mylar balloon. There was no one around, no reason for it to be there whatsoever. I wondered if someone's gift in the neighborhood had blown into my driveway. It was heart-shaped. It had clearly lost its capacity to float on its own. The rain had washed it all shiny. So I gently took it, and I tied it up on my front porch securely. And a verse of Scripture sunk a little deeper into my heart. I have loved you with an everlasting love. Some things are hard to make sense of. Wonderful things like the fact that God loves us with an everlasting love. Or that Jesus was glorified on Mount Tabor. And hard things like repentance. Or showing compassion to suffering ones. But you see, glory and suffering walk hand in hand. The transfiguration invites us into a measure of music that leads to the cross and the resurrection, making us part of God's unending song of love. Play on, Lord Jesus. That's the tune we want to be singing, even in the darkness. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening. To listen to more sermons, read past devotions, or look up opportunities on how to connect, visit us at AthensFirstUMC.org. Stay in touch with us throughout the week by following us on Instagram or Facebook at AthensFirstUMC. Oh, Lord, I'm getting ready.